you came out Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiph. It is certainly good to be here with you gathered uh, around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, as always, I'm excited to see your faces. As always, I'm excited to uh, worship Jesus with you, and I'm excited to get into the word of God. Uh, Psalm 113 says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Even when you don't feel like praising God, you should praise God. I say it all the time, but it's true. We cannot serve a God that's good all the time sometimes. That just don't make sense. But if he's good all the time, he deserves our worship and our praise all the time. And that means he deserves it when you feel like it and when you don't. Is he not good? Is he not kind? Well, I'm excited to preach the word of God. That's my responsibility today. And I'm going to jump right in. Do me a favor. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of James. Go to the book of James in the New Testament. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's a small book. It's in between Hebrews and 1 Peter. Uh, you'll find uh, the book of James. Hey, real quick, before we, before we get into the word, uh, it's, it's with sadness that I got to bring y'all some heavy news today. It's very heavy news. Uh, I had to put on church discipline two uh, faithful members this week, uh, Chris and Mike Dussel, because they beat LaJoyce and I in spades last week. <laughs> In such a way, you know, they, it, it just was bad. They sent me playing, you know, water guns with the kids, and I can't prove it, but I'm, I'm sure at one point, Chris, I saw you at the table going, watch this, watch this. I, I can't prove it, but I think I saw it. I think I saw it. I felt like the Lord literally told me to be humble and sit down, because y'all remember last week, I was prideful up here in the pulpit. I said, what you laughing at, Matthias? I was prideful. I was up here like, listen to me, y'all. Whoever gets on the table, you're getting off real quick. And first game we got off. And then and Mike Ducell, you, is the Mike here? He was here first service. He in the back. Mike, you need to go home, bro. Mike gonna say to me, I've never beaten anybody that bad before. Shout out to the Community Life team, uh, all, of, all of you who served. Amen. Let's thank God for those that put the event together. Under the, under the leadership of, of uh, Pastor Timmy, and I'm not going to start calling names, but everybody that has served, and Chris is on that team, messing with you, Chris, but uh, everybody that served just did such a phenomenal job, and, you know, I, Gabe said it, but I just want to be, maybe it was Pastor Timmy that said it, I just want to be, like, super, super, super clear. Um, you were never saved with the intention that you would be isolated, but God saved us and baptized us into a body. And that means when we get together, we, there should be fellowship. And, you know, sometimes we run away from community because community is mostly joy, but there are some pain points. It's mess when you get two people that, you know, got sin in their life together. You know, get a couple of us together and there's going, we're going to rub each other the wrong way. But I'm grateful, so grateful for our community life team and their ability to facilitate community, which is the lifeline uh, of our church. It is a core conviction that we have. If you go on our website right now and look at our core convictions, community is one because we believe in uh, that Acts chapter 2 community. They devoted themselves to the koinia, the, the, the fellowship, and the, the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of the bread. That means they didn't just devote themselves. Breaking of the bread means they didn't just devote themselves to Sundays. 
but it was somewhere during the week that they were hanging out. Uh, so shout out to the community life team. Hey, real quick, I am really, 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 really like so grateful for this church. You guys have responded really quickly. I told you last week, um, just an update on the building. This is temporary space. Uh, this is not our permanent sanctuary. Our permanent sanctuary is, is going to be built downstairs. And we ran into so many issues with the DOB over the last seven months, just crazy issues. Uh, to where they wanted us to put an elevator in the building and we just told them we, that that can't happen And so we settled on a lift. So we're putting the lift uh, up the ramp right here And then I told you guys like that was an extra we got we got quoted twenty five to thirty thousand dollars I'm like man, that's extra on top of the project the construction project we already have and y'all started responding I mean quickly started responding. We're not there yet uh, but I just wanted to express my uh, deep appreciation and affection for this church because uh, that's how God provides for his church is through his people. That's just how he does. And you know, I, don't, I just don't, I try to make sure that the motivation for giving is never, I'm cursed with a curse. Did we just hear that Christ redeemed us from the curse? I don't believe we're going to be cursed. But here's, what, here's the motivation that God gave you his best, Jesus Christ. And giving you his best, we respond back to him with generosity. And so thank you guys, those of you who have given. Uh, those of you who are a little skeptical and you're like, ah, I knew, I knew that church was going to ask at some point for some money. Uh, it's all good. It's all love. Just keep coming. You know, keep, keep being a part. Uh, and I'm sure uh, the Lord is going to, to do something, ransom, you know, something in your heart. Because uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And then he says... God loves a cheerful giver. That's the word. And, and so he's not, only, he's not only concerned with your giving, Warner, he's concerned with your attitude when you give. And the IRS could care less about your attitude. They take and be like, I don't care that they got attitude. God is like, I, I want you to be generous, but I want you to do so with a cheerful heart. So I just want to thank, thank you guys and, and ask you guys to please keep your hand to the plow in terms of generosity. May God move on your heart. Uh, because one way or, or another, he's going to provide. I'm that confident. I, I just know how, that's how he does. He does it's his church. It ain't my church. He going to provide because that's what he does. Zuri is in the house, y'all. <laughs> Zuri has been away. She's been uh, working. Y'all know she's an actress and she's working on something, um, something pretty big. And I'm excited about it. When it comes out, it's going to be dope. Um, but she came back for a week and said, hey, the week I'm there, I want to serve, which is crazy. Uh, so I just want to shout her out and thank God. Y'all know I love Zuri. She's special, uh, and I, I genuinely love her. All right, let's get into the word. Y'all there, James chapter 5? If y'all there, y'all can give me that Brooklyn. Yeah. All right, verse number 7. Pay attention to the, to the redundancy of the word. Pay attention here. Watch these words. Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also, here's that word again, be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble, underline that phrase that becomes important later. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those who have remained. Here's a synonym of patience, steadfast. And you have heard of the steadfastness of Job 
and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord was compassionate and merciful. We can stop there. I want to preach today from the topic. In fact, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and just help me to pronounce this. Say, neighbor. I need you to get Baptist. Say, oh, neighbor. I hate being patient. That neighbor actually is a patient neighbor. So look at somebody else that looks a little impatient and say, neighbor, I hate being patient. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, we, we, we come to you humble and um, realizing that we, we can't understand this word without you. You got to move on our hearts. You got to speak through a broken vessel and speak to our situations. And so, Father, pray that you would open up your word, that we may behold the wondrous things out of your law. It's in Christ's name we pray and give glory. Amen. Amen. One of the, the, the most frustrating parts of an oyster is when sand gets lodged into an oyster's tiny shell. Now, I don't know if you know this, but most of the time an oyster can find where that sand is. It can locate it and take it and, and expel it. It can get it right out of, out of its shell and move on with life. But there are those times where the sand gets so deeply lodged into the shell that the, the oyster can't find where the sand is, but it knows it's there and it's aggravated and it's frustrated and it's upset, so it moves, in, it moves to a adult plan B. It begins to wrap the sand with this uh, substance called nacre. It's like a silk-like substance, and it begins to wrap it, and wrap it, and wrap it, and coat it, and coat it, and coat it, and next thing you know, ladies, you're left with an expensive piece of jewelry called a pearl. Now, I, I don't know if that's generational. I think y'all young ladies like diamonds pass to be, not, not pearls. Uh, but never, nevertheless, a pearl is nothing more than the fruit of an aggravated oyster. That's, a, that's all a pearl is. A pearl is nothing more than a season of frustration where the oyster decided, I'm not going to sit here and complain about this sand. I'm not going to sit here and be upset about it. After a while, I'm just going to start wrapping it with nacre. And after a while, it's going to become something precious. And I'm no longer talking about the oyster. I'm now talking about our lives. Because many of us get in situations and we get so frustrated. We get frustrated with the situation. We get frustrated with ourselves. We get frustrated with those around us. And y'all know, don't get spiritual on me. We get frustrated with God. And we're like, why am I in this season? Why am I in this season? But I wonder if God is trying to produce a pearl in you in that season. But instead of wrapping it with nacre, you're taking your complaints and your aggravation out on everybody else. I, I love this passage because this passage right here shows us that there's no wasted seasons with God. This passage so, so, shows us that when you're in those uh, between seasons of the vision and it actually coming to pass, y'all know that, that middle season, that's the waiting season. This shows us that that waiting season actually has purpose because there are no wasted seasons with God. Can somebody just say that? There's no wasted seasons with God. He uses everything, hardship, joy, pain, poor days, rich days. He uses all of it to make you more of a spiritual, uh, a spiritual maturity. And so if I can be honest, this passage actually is weighing heavy on me because uh, there's a couple of things that happen in the passage that I'm actually still trying to grow in. So I do not come to you today as an expert on the, on the passage. I come to you today reaching for the same sanctification that the scripture is going to give us today. And so what James is going to do is he's going to, he, he's not going to talk in 
a light way. He gives us strong commands. In fact, look at the text in verse number seven. It says, be patient. He says, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early rain, the early and the late rain. Notice, notice that the book of um, James, I got to do a little work here. The book of James is in the New Testament, but it, it's called, it's, it's a part of a larger genre of books. The book of James is known as an epistle, but if you know your New Testament, there are many books in the New Testament that are epistles. Peter writes two epistles. Jude writes an epistle. John writes uh, three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The book of Hebrews, we don't know who the writer is, but he writes an epistle. We all know the globetrotter Paul writes epistles, the Pauline epistles. But do you know that there's a difference between even Paul's letters or his epistles and James' letter, his epistle? There is a major difference, and many Greek scholars will say that the major difference is because James writes with strong imperatives. An imperative is nothing more than a command. So in other words, when James says be subject, he's not giving you something to mull over. When James says be subject, he's not giving you a good idea. He's not giving you something that you can weigh as an option. He is coming in, first of all, as Jesus' half-brother, he is coming in and saying, be patient, that is a command. Do you know how many commands are in this book? There are 108 verses in these five chapters. Do you know 54 of them are commands? That's almost half the book. Now, not only that, he doesn't even get far into the book before he gives his first command. In chapter one, he gives a quick, quick greeting in verse number one, and then he quickly goes to verse number two, and he says, count it all joy. That's a command. And so over and over again, what James is doing is James is giving us commands. And in this passage, he gives us a melodic line of commands. He says, be patient, be patient. Do you hear how many times he said that? Let me just do the electric slide real quick through it. Verse number seven, be patient. Verse 7b, be patient about it. Verse number eight, be patient. Verse number 10, as an example of suffering and patience. Verse number 11, we consider those blessed who were steadfast. Verse number 11, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. If you're at home, if you could just write in the, in the chat room, be patient and spell it right with a T. You got to put that T in there. He's telling us be patient. If you're not getting what well, he's not, he's not at a loss for words. He, he's not being redundant for no reason. He is, the redundancy has purpose. What is the purpose he's trying to get your attention? And many of us in this room, y'all know we walked in here and we lack patience, especially with God. We like, God, you know I'm supposed to be in next season. Why you still got me here? You know I ain't supposed to be on this job, God. I'm supposed to be in the next season. And many of us in that season, if we're not careful, hear me, young people, we know how to move ahead of God. And let me tell you something about moving ahead of God. The only thing worse then waiting on God is wishing that you had waited on God. Because you get to the end of that thing and be like, oh, this is why you wanted me to wait. Waiting on God is important. And and, and and the reason I had to call uh, those of us who are in the room, our church is like 92% in their 20s. The reason I had to call us out is because we live in in an age where everything's quick. Everything everything is instant. And we don't want to wait. We don't want to slow down. but, but, But James says to us today, be patient. There's, um, in, in the English, this gives us two words, be impatient. Do you see that in your Bible? Bless you. But in the original language, in the Greek, do you know that James actually uses one word, not two? So we say be patient. He says macrothumeo. Become a Greek scholar and just say macrothumeo. Come on, you got to say it like with some confidence. Macrothumeo. 
in, in, in macrothumeo, it's a compound word in Greek, and macro means, as we would imagine, means big or large. And thumeo is where we get our word thermometer from, and it means to measure heat. So in other words, what James is saying is macrothumeo, he is saying long toward anger, or he is saying long suffering. So in other words, when he's saying be patient, he's not saying be patient in a season that's actually comfortable. Because many of us can have patience in seasons that are comfortable, but that's not what he's saying. He's talking about macrothumeo, long to anger, long suffering. He's saying be patient in a season that you don't like. And that's most of us in the room. See, that's why I said this, 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 this text weighed heavy on me. Because it's just some stuff in my life. I'm going, God, like, seriously, like, why? Like, like, move, like move this on. Like, let, let us move past this. Let us get past. Y'all ever been there? Like, let us get past it. And God is like, macro through mayo. Be patient. Because there is something that he is trying to do. And many of us, what happens is you only learn patience in hard seasons. See, that's why we don't pray for patience. We don't pray for patience, Janelle, because embedded in the prayer request for patience is another prayer request to go through. So every time you say, God, teach me patience, he like, boop, and put you in the fire. And you're like, God, you serious? Like, why you got me in this? He like, you asked me for patience. And patience is built off the platform of turbulence. And so I got to put you in it, and I got to shake some things up, because then you grow in your patience. Macro through mayo. We like microwave life. When God is like, your spiritual life really is a crock pot. It ain't a microwave. Did you know that? God, in, in microwave, you, you should know that the my, food in the microwave don't taste like the food in the, in the crock pot. My, my mother-in-law is here. I didn't know she was going to be here, so I, I don't, I don't want to do this to her. But she bought us a microwave, and she knows her daughter hates microwaves. And so she bought a microwave, and for a few months, we had it up on the, you know, we had it up on the counter because me and my boys were, were using it. Well, it's no longer on the counter. One day, we came downstairs, and we were like, where's the microwave? Ty's like, I put it downstairs in the basement. And so now we have to plug it in, go downstairs, and sneak to use it in the basement. But she doesn't like the unnatural nature of how microwave food is, 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 is heated up. You ever put fries in the microwave? You ever try to reheat them grits? Throw those things away. Reheated grits don't work. I don't care if you put water in it, you put butter in it, you try to make that thing come back to life, it's not Lazarus, it's dead, throw it away. It's, it's done, it's done. That's a word, write that down, throw them grits away. For like Umar Johnson, grits money, get your grits money. Throw the grits away. If you get nothing else, get that. Somebody say, throw the grits away. <laughs> Macro through mayo. Macro through mayo is crock pot. It's not microwave. And so you really only learn macro through mayo or patience when you get laid off. That's when you got to learn patience. You only learn patience when you're in that relationship and it goes south and she breaks your heart or he breaks your heart. That's when you learn patience. You only learn, learn patience when you look at that one girl on your job that you don't like and you sitting there going, I don't know how she got the promotion over me. She ain't that nice. She ain't that skilled. That is when you got to learn patience. You only learn patience in the season where your kids are being disrespectful and disobedient. See, it's one thing when you're disrespectful and it's one thing when you're disobedient, but when you're both, you got to get out the house. He says macro through mayo. You need macro through mail. You need patience even in those seasons. You do not learn patience in seasons where everything is peachy keen. You only learn it when you're in hardship. And some of y'all are being taught right now from Professor Patience. 
You're being taught right now. You're in the crock pot right now. But do you know one thing that I love about patients? That you have help with learning how to be more patient. What do I mean by that? Do you know that the moment that you were saved, the Bible says that you were empowered with the Holy Spirit? Do you know that the gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience? So in other words, I'm not in this season by myself. The Holy Spirit is like a coach going, you can do it. You can do it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't cuss her out. Don't cuss him out. Stay with it. Stay with it. Y'all know we cuss people out in seasons like that. We lack macro through mayo. We use some other words instead of macro through mayo. And, and what James is trying to get at, at us today is to just be patient. I'm on this point too long. What I love about James is James doesn't only give you the command to be patient. He gives you an example. That's good preaching. He doesn't just say, hey, be patient and move on. He's like, be patient. Oh, okay, y'all a little slow with the uptake. Let me show you somebody that was patient. Look at what he says in the verse. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. What I love about James is James points us to the example of somebody that's patient and he uses a farmer. I don't know of a better example, Matthias, than a farmer. Because I don't know, a farmer would be so foolish if he went to his land that was barren and took some seed and put it in the ground and closed his eyes real tight and opened them and expected that the harvest would come the moment he put it in the ground. Embedded into being a farmer is patience. But he doesn't just, what James is talking about here by giving us the example of a farmer is not just patience. It's active patience. Because a farmer doesn't plant the seed and then go home and twiddle his thumbs. The farmer will plant the seed. There's, there's seed time. There's, there's plowing. There's, there's sowing. There's watering. And so while he's waiting, he's participating in active patience. And this is why I say many of us move ahead of God. Because we think the waiting season is the boring season. No, the waiting season is the developing season. And the next, when I, when I talked about crockpot, do you understand that the season of your life right now that feels like a crock pot will help the next season to fall off the bone? And if you want a succulent fall off the bone kind of life, you got to learn patience. You got to learn macro through mayo. But while you're being patient, be active. What do I mean by be active? While you're being patient, go back to school. While you're being patient, go ahead and Break up with him because you know that ain't going to work. While you're being patient, go ahead and save that money. I've, man, I got up this morning at 530. That's a lie. It was like 640, like 545. It was, it was a long night. I uh, got up at like 545 and I was praying for y'all. And I felt like the Lord just kept pressing at my spirit. You need to start saving. You need to start saving. And some of you are going, well, why do I need to start saving? I don't know. And you may not know, but start saving because you never know how you'll get in the next season and God will use it. Many people are hindered in vision. And it's not because they don't have vision. It's because they don't have resources. And you can get resources for the vision right now in this season. Be patient, active patience. Open up an account and put macro through mail on it. Like, name it that. Macro through mayo. Make sure you spell that one right, too. Because it's, 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 it's crockpot. You know, what, one of the things I love about this idea of active,
active patience is we don't only have the example of the farmer who patiently waits for his harvest, patiently. And, and the harvest is only as good as the work that he put in in the previous season. Did, that, that hit. The, the harvest is only as beautiful and fruitful and delicious as the work that he put into the previous season, this season that you're in right now. Here's another example. What about Paul? Paul was in the crockpot of jail many times. And do you know when Paul was in jail, do you know how he was active in his patience? I can think of three ways. Number one, he wrote letters. So remember, I talked about the prison epistles, the, the epistles. Some of Paul's epistles were prison epistles. And so he sat in a jail and he wrote out letters to strengthen the church. While he was in the crockpot of jail, he was active. You know what else he did? In those letters, he says, I'm praying for you. So therefore, he was praying while he was in the crockpot called jail. Chris, do you know what else he was doing? The last thing that I see him doing is sharing his faith because there's moments in the crockpot of jail where everybody gets saved, including the jailer, because he's sharing his faith. He's active in his patience. And somebody in this room, you're going to walk out and say, oh, OK, what did Pastor B preach about? He preached about being patient. No, 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 I did not. I'm preaching about being active while being patient. Be active right now. And so this is why I say go back to school. This is because it's preparing for the next season. This season ain't wasted. It's active patience. So the scripture here says, man, look at the farmer. That the farmer knows how to be patient. The farmer knows how, while he's being patient, uh, to, to make sure that he or she is plowing and watering and making sure that the next harvest is going to be plentiful. How do I do that? I become active now. But he gives another imperative. So the first imperative of the passage is verse seven, be patient. But he gives another one. I ask you to underline it in verse number nine. Here's another command. Do not grumble. See, God hit me up this week when I was reading this because by nature, I'm working on it, but by nature, I know how to complain. Oh, y'all not gonna be, y'all gonna leave your boy out there. Y'all not gonna be honest about y'all complaining. And what, I think what happened, you know, I'm working on it, but I think one of the things that happened to me, somewhere I'm 42 now, but when I turned 40, something happened where I began to look at the people around me and was like, y'all complaining? All y'all complain? Like, every day can't be a bad day. Every situation can't be bad. And so you have to learn not to just you not grumble, but make sure that the people around you are not grumbling. And so in other words, when James says do not grumble, you know, many of us, we complain about God instead of complaining to God, which is prayer. You know, God can take your complaints. We talk about God. Why don't we replace complaining and grumbling with prayer? Why don't, why don't we replace those moments? Because complaining is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you ain't going nowhere. You're in the, you're in the same spot. But you feel like you're, exert, you're, you're, you're exerting energy and you're doing something, but you're not making any impact. Y'all know that verse where the Bible says, um, the Bible says, don't box as one beating the air. You just kind of exerting energy. You ain't hitting nothing. It says, don't run as one that run, uh, runs aimlessly. And that's what many of us do when we complain. We get in seasons where we're just complaining, complaining, complaining. And if you look up 24 hours later, you're like, I ain't really do nothing, though. And God doesn't want any season of your life to be filled with complaining. And I know I'm not the only one that's a complainer in this room. I need a husband or a wife to just say amen. amen. That was a little hard, uh, with, uh, uh, Warner. A little, a little hard there. Janelle was like, huh? 
He says, be patient, first command. Second command, do not grumble. Stop complaining. And even when he says, do not grumble, what, what, what I love is he kind of helps us to see that in those seasons where you're kind of in a holding pattern, it's better not to grumble because if God actually gives you what you're complaining about, you'll probably make a, you'll probably make a mess. Probably be a disaster. I flew from LaGuardia a couple years ago. It was flying from LaGuardia to LAX. It's about a five, five and a half hour flight. And, you know, I, I really don't like flying that long. You know, if, if we fly that long, I'm like anxious to land. And so we get to LAX and the pilot starts circling the airport. It's in this holding pattern. I'm like, what, are we, what is he doing? Is he a rookie? What, like, move on, like lay in the plane already. And we were, I mean, we were circling and I'm going, man, maybe he's trying to give us an aerial view of, of, of LA skyline. I'm like, it ain't that nice anyway, but he's trying to give us an aerial view. And I'm like, yo, land the plane. And I was getting so frustrated. And I kept complaining to people around me. Why is he not landing the plane? But do you know that he didn't land the plane because many planes were landing at that time. So if God gave me what I was complaining about, we would have made a mess because I would have landed when somebody else landed. And that's what complaining does because you don't, you're not in the cockpit, nor are you in the tower. And the heavenly tower knows far more than you know, knows far more than I know. So we complain about stuff that God is like, you know, you know, if I put you in the season next year, you're not going to be complaining about that no more. You're only complaining because you don't know. But God is not only in next, not, he doesn't only know next year, he's in next year. Do not grumble. Do not complain. What I love is he gives us another example. So when he said be patient, he said, I got to give you an example. Here's the farmer. He does it again. He says, do not grumble. Verse 10, he says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of, of Job. So he gives you two examples here. He says, OK, do not grumble. Let me show you some people uh, that, that didn't grumble. Take the prophets. Now, many of us, you know, in, in today's modern uh, churchy church, we like the title prophet. But, in, but in, in ancient days, they ran from the title prophet because you often had to be a prophet and give hard words to people who were disgruntled. You often had to tell people, uh, communicate God's words to people who were disobedient. And so if anybody had uh, the, the, the right to, 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 to complain, it's the prophets. But he says, you know what? Maybe you need one more. Maybe you need one more example. Let me give you the goat of patience, the goat of not grumbling. He says, come here, Job. Now, once again, if anybody, I would give a pass in scripture today and say, ah, oh, he can complain. It's Job. Like Job loses everything. He, his health gets attacked. His, his, his kids, not only did he didn't lose one kid, he lost 10. Can you imagine going to a funeral and there's 10 caskets and all of them are your kids? And not only that, but his wife needed Ayana fix my life. Because his wife says, what does his wife say? Won't you curse God and die? So his wife loses her moment, which I actually give her a pass because you lose 10 kids, you're going to need a moment too. And so all of this is happening to Job, but you know what Job doesn't do? He never complains in the book. In fact, he says stuff in chapter 19 like, I know my redeemer lives. He says stuff in like verse 21, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return. He says the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. He goes through seasons without grumbling and complaining. And if he could, why do you think you can? 
Why, why do I think I can? Yeah, the season is hard, and I don't want to dismiss your hardship. I don't want to dismiss your pain. Many of you lost people. You know, many of you got a bad diagnosis, but even in those moments, it is in those moments that we should rest securely in the work of God because God's timing is always better than our timing. And he actually knows what he's doing. He got this God thing going on and he knows what he is doing. And that's at the core of patience really is faith. Please just write that down somewhere. It may not make sense now. At the core of patience is really faith. It's not just faith. It's dependency. I'm going to choose to trust you, even though, God, I ain't feeling you right now. I ain't feeling this season right now, but I'm going to choose to trust you. And here's why we should trust in God. Because his timing is always impeccable. What the old saints used to say, he may not come when you want him. Y'all had a churchy grandma too. He always comes on time. He, oh, you know how, why he always comes on time? Because he is time. You know, there's a verse, and I'm, I'm, I'm ending here. There's a verse in Galatians chapter 4, I think it's verse 4, where it says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. In other words, he sent Jesus right when Jesus needed to be sent. He didn't send him before. I told y'all this. He, the reason he sent him when he, need, when, he, when he sent him was because he needed Rome to go ahead and build them roads. Because if Rome can build out roads, once Jesus comes and kills the work, and then his disciples then go out, I now got roads to walk on. What if Jesus sent, what if God sent Jesus before the roads got there? You know how much more work it would have been for the gospel to spread? You and I may not be sitting in this room, believers, at this moment. But we are here now, in this moment, because in the fullness of time, God sent his son. He sent him when the roads were right. He sent him when the language was unified. He sent him right at the perfect time. And so if he's perfect... With his time of sending his son, he knows the season you're in and he knows when to pull you out. I want to pray for somebody today. We don't we don't have a lot of space up here, but I realize that somebody's in the crock pot right now. And even though the food might taste better, it definitely is longer. It takes much longer. And you're, you're God is turning up. God is simmering your life and you're frustrated and you're aggravated and you're complaining and you're not patient and you want to move ahead of God. And today I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. There's a reason he has you there. And I just simply want to pray for you. I want to pray for the person that knows that you lack patience. Maybe the pandemic shook some things. I want to pray for the person that knows you've been grumbling and complaining. Look at the farmer. Look at the prophets. Look at Job. Look at God's timing and how he works all things out. Look, we don't got a lot of time. I simply just want to pray. If that's you, can y'all come up here? We got the pool here. Can y'all come up here? If that's you, if you're saying, I lack patience, I need to pray. I'm on the altar today. If that's you, if you'll say, not only do I lack patience, thank you for coming. Not only do I lack patience, but I complain while I lack patience. If you're coming this way, just be careful. I also lack the ability to not complain. Thank you for coming, Jair. Y'all come on down. We all family. Come on down. Come on down. Y'all move on up. Y'all moving up. Is that Q? Couldn't tell with that mask. What's up? Y'all come on down. Come on down. Look at, look at this altar today. People that are saying, I lack patience. And sometimes I grumble and I complain. But today, I choose to trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. As they're still coming, Father, I thank you. Come on down. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's on this altar. I'm looking at these young people. 
that are all saying, God, God I, I want to trust you, but it ain't easy. Because you tell us to make lefts where we want to go right. You tell us to stand still when we want to move forward. But Father, I pray on this altar that you would sharpen discernment. That you would sharpen insight. That as we go through life and go through hardship and get in the crockpot, help us to realize we're not in the crockpot by ourselves. But there's other people that are around us that are, that are encouraging us and, and, and stirring us uh, to affections for Jesus. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, those who have trusted in you that, are, that is on this altar. I thank you for the Spirit's work in our life. Because of the Spirit, I can endure. I don't like it, but God, you're doing something with it. And so, Father, I pray that you would accomplish exactly what you are choosing to accomplish in this season. And so, Father, if, if the season ain't over and you want us to sit a little longer, turn up the heat. Because it's something that you'll get out of us. Because many of us want to move ahead of you, but God, you, we know we undone. We know we know we ain't cooked all the way through. But Father, I pray for these young people. I, pr I pray that your spirit would rest and rule and abide on their hearts, that they will go through and go through well, and they can walk like the farmer and say, I'm, I'm patient. They can look like Job and say, I'm not going to grumble. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him father we trust you today and i pray oh god that you would do the work in their hearts that their best friend couldn't do in this season oh god i don't know why i'm praying this but god in this season i pray that you would connect them to therapy that you would connect them to counseling and that their emotional health would thrive even in a season where we're in hardship and only a believer can thrive in hardship so father sustain them help us to use the means of your grace and the wisdom that you put on this earth in counselors and therapists let us not over spiritualize this season but help us to say god it hurts but i'm gonna trust you and while i'm waiting i'm gonna start working pray businesses would open on this altar i pray people will go back to school and finish school on this altar i pray promotions would happen on this altar i pray that you would give them the desires of their heart those that are on this altar father do a, i can't wait to hear the testimonies because you are faithful and you're good and so we trust you we got nothing else we ain't got nobody else we trust you because you're kind to us it's in jesus mighty name we give glory amen come on let's thank god for those that came down to the altar thank you all for coming y'all may be seated